pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is pandemonium. It is fantastic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Overtime Podcast Live presented by the Cold Front Report. Uh, Clayton Garrett is currently having some technical difficulties, I believe. So I guess I'm going to improvise until he comes back. Um, joining us today, Mario Granada of Hashtag Sports. Mario, thank you for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Absolutely. It's always a good time to come on the Cold Front Report and talk Buffalo Bills. And we got a few things to kind of talk about today. So it's going to be kind of interesting. We do, yeah, and it'll be you and I here for the time being. So start with Quentin Spain. The Bills released him today. Um, some mixed emotions coming out of this. I wanted to hear from you first. What did you think of kind of a surprise move shaking up the Bills' offensive line? It, I mean, the the, the initial uh, surprise came when uh, Spain was taken out of the lineup, I believe. And, you know, when you started to progress through some of the things, uh, it had to be some of the things behind the closed doors, which we weren't privy to, to finding out about Quentin Spain. Because you, but you, because you look at a guy that last year who ended up, not allowing a sack the entire year. I mean, per PFF, I know, I don't know how you feel about PFF, but I kind of, some of the things that, that they talk about, I'm kind of a little skeptical about, but um, yeah, you talk about a guy who was a serviceable player for the Buffalo Bills. Now it just brings about so much more speculation with what's going on, uh, you know, with, with Ford or what's going on with Feliciano possibly. So in a position where you were kind of thin, it, it just makes you a little bit thinner and you don't know what the underlying cause was for his release. Yeah, and you think if the Bills are going to cut a player unexpectedly, offensive line isn't the first position group that I would think that they would do that because, as you said, it's a group that has been thin. Uh, you know, it's not one of your deeper positions. Yeah. I don't really know what to make of this move. Spain's making $5 million a year, and I guess the fact that the Bills released him instead of trying to make a trade tells me that maybe there weren't any teams that wanted that contract, which is understandable. Um, it seemed like Spain kind of played his way into that contract um, and now all of a sudden he's taken out. And now maybe also Spain wasn't comfortable with Brian Winters taking on a larger role on the offensive line and decided maybe the, the inside of the Bills decided that moving him is, was better than dealing with whatever problem that could have caused. Because at this point, behind closed doors, we don't really know what went on. Yeah, it could have been a scenario where you were, you were talking about uh, Spain did something maybe so egregious that they didn't even try to look for suitors to try to get them out of there. Maybe they were just, you know, because but you have to remember too, Spain was one of the last free agents signed by the Buffalo Bills real late after the free agency period had already been passed. So uh, who knows? He may not have been, you know, at the top of anybody's list, but certainly by the way that he performed last year, he would have been a guy that um, earned his way onto some, uh, some spot somewhere. Mm -hmm. And Clayton, welcome back. Um, we got it kicked off here talking about Quentin Spain uh, while you jump back on. We want to hear what you have to say about the surprise release from the Bills today. Well, first of all, this is two weeks in a row. My internet decided to shit the bed in the middle of going live for the overtime podcast. I don't know. Maybe it's a Jeff thing. Maybe, maybe hey, it's yeah, the bottom I, thing. I have no problems. Well, it's, Clayton, you're, you live next door to Walmart. You should stop splicing off their internet, man. Knock it off. What? Dude, that's private. <laughs> anyway, I don't actually like to live next to a Walmart. It's a tops. Oh, but anyways, but anyways, with, with the Quentin Spain ordeal, it's weird because I don't know after, after he got benched, I believe it was against the Rams, right? He didn't start. That was the first time we saw the Cody Ford, Brian Winters, left guard, right guard combination. So just like, just like PJ said in the chat, something, something happened. Those cryptic tweets, man. That's exactly what I'm referring to. He had those sort of cryptic tweets after the first time that he was benched. And that kind of left us all in a little bit of a bubble of wondering, like, what, what's going on with Quentin Spain? And we didn't see him play until Brian Winters got hurt. I believe it was in the Raiders game, and he had to step in and right guard. And he didn't do a bad job at right guard. But really the way I feel is the Bills just caught their best offensive guard. Really, they did. Like Cody Ford, he's not really all that proven. Brian Winters, I think we all know that he's been hot garbage. So I'm just I, I'm a tad confused as to why they cut their best guard. And as these two alluded to, as to what I heard as when I first hopped in, maybe something did happen behind the scenes. And I, I I'm also of the belief that that is what happened. 
but I I don't know what it would have transpired. That's not a thing that any of us are inclined on, so we can't even really speculate. But if I had a guess, I, I, I can't say how accurate I am, but if I had a guess, Quentin Spain just got a three-year, $15 million contract, and he's probably not too happy about them forcing in Cody Ford and forcing in Brian Winters. Because make no doubt about it, I think Quentin Spain was the best offensive guard on this football team, period. Even with John Feliciano on the active roster, I thought he was the best offensive guard left to right on the team. And it's quite peculiar that they decided to cut him because he's not happy with not starting. I mean, that that's part of the quote-unquote process or culture. But if that's part of it, where guys are kind of questioning your decision-making and who you're putting out there, and maybe it's not necessarily the best combination you could have out there. Maybe he wasn't really on, on bad ground. Maybe he wasn't really out of pocket with those remarks because I, I tend to agree with him that he should have been on the starting five. He should have been one of the two starting offensive guards. He's better than both of the guys they had out there. But it, it I, I don't know. It, it's it's a little weird to me. It always has. It has been since those cryptic tweets a couple weeks ago. And if there was a week ever a week that the Bills didn't need adversity, this is the one. It, you, know, you don't want a negative story spiraling around your team. And so if it comes down to something with the quote-unquote culture, something in the, the clubhouse, then, I mean, is it your best decision just to remove it right away before the problem spreads? That's that's a question that I don't have an answer to. Yeah, I, I mean, I got an idea that's it's re- it's rather thin, and I'm admitting it it's rather thin, but at this point, I don't know, because I'm so confused why – I, I agree with Clayton in, in the fact that he was one of your top guards that you had on this team. I mean, you talk about a guy that didn't give up a sack last year. So that being said, just as you guys, I think, were willing to admit that when a coach feels that he's on the hot seat, who usually goes first? One of the coordinators, because a change has to be made or something like that. This team is four and two. The offensive line play hasn't been great this year. So if you look, think about it, they threw a bunch of guys together last year and they happen to perform pretty well throughout the season and near the end of the year. Is this a, a situation where they feel they can coach guys up and B it's a message sent to be like, listen, we, well, you're not bigger than the team here. Okay. If we're going to make a move, we're going to make a move. You're going to gripe about it. You're not going to be here. So could this be a message for the rest of the offensive line saying, listen, we don't care who you are. If we decide to take you out of the lineup and you start, you start trying to be a problem in the locker room, you're gone. So I, I'm like I said, I, right at the start, I think it's a thin reason why that happened, but I can't think of any other reason why. Maybe they're just sending a message to this offensive line to probably, you know, say, you know, if you guys aren't doing your job, you're not going to be here. Well, ho- hopefully the message is received. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I know, received. right? Because that offensive line looked like absolute poop against the Chiefs. And let's get into what happened against the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Bills lost what was it, 26 to 17, in a really wet game. Mario, this is a podcast of hospitality. Since you're the guest, what were your overall thoughts coming out of that Chiefs game initially? <laughs> I thought that the Buffalo Bills plan as far as the, on the defensive side of the ball was to try to limit the amount of possessions that the Kansas City Chiefs had. So you're going to have to try to make some concessions. Knowing that the Chiefs can score at will with, through their passing game, you decide to say, listen, if they're going to beat us through the run, they're going to beat us through the run. Okay, The Bills did not expect – to get drug up and down the field for seven yards of carry, okay? They thought, listen, if somebody's going to beat us, let the rookie beat us. We're not going to let Mahomes air it all over the field. If you think about it, other than the red zone with Kelsey, and Hill only had one catch for five yards, they limited, quote-unquote, limited Patrick Mahomes and the damage he can he can do. Each team only had four possessions in the first half. That's a win for Buffalo. They were only down 13-10, to 10, which should have been 13-13, but – Bass can never make a kick from the right hash. He always has to be on the left for some reason. I don't know what it is. But you you think realistically their game plan going into the game held the Chiefs to 13 points in the first half. They could have been tied with the Chiefs in the first half. The other side of that, which is the other side of the ball, is you know if possessions are going to come at a premium, you need to score offensively, which they did not. So you started to see the fallout of that. Even though all the garbage that happened – getting drug up and down the field for 250 yards, 260 yards, they were still a third and 14 away from possibly making that game very, very interesting at the end. So, you know, I think I know, 
I think I have an idea of what their philosophy might have been going into the game defensively. They just didn't execute it. Jeff? Yeah, the Chiefs had the ball for almost 38 minutes, and the Bills had it for just over 22. Obviously not how you win football games. Buffalo got outplayed on offense. They got outplayed at quarterback. They got outplayed at defense, and they got outcoached. It's it's tough sledding whenever that happens. And I'm not going to go on about the weather in this game being an excuse for how the Bills played, but I thought it clearly impacted the passing offenses of both teams. Now, Mahomes' stats don't show that. He was 21 for 26. But how many tough throws did Mahomes actually have to make because of how well the Chiefs were running the ball? Kansas City used the running game to make up for the rain, and Buffalo didn't. And I'm not sitting here saying the Bills lost because it's raining. I'm not saying the Josh Allen played bad because it was raining. So, you know, that's that's not the message I'm trying to convey. But I thought that the Chiefs being able to run the ball for over seven yards of carry really, you know, was was such an advantage that the Bills just didn't have. Devin Singletary ran the ball 10 times for 32 yards. Zach Moss ran it five times for 10 yards. It's not going to cut it. See, I, I, I tend to agree with both of you that I, I felt like this was a game where you needed to have an efficient running game. I'm not going to sit here and say that Josh Allen played bad because of the rain. Like jo- Josh Allen, you need to be able to play when, when, when it's raining. You need to be able to play. I, there's a lot of precipitation up here. You, you got to be ready to play rain when rain, snow or sleet. It is what it is. So that's not an excuse. But the Bills running game not being able to be efficient in this game is really what kind of hampered this Bills offense, I felt like. It's really what kind of held them back from being able to be competitive because, yeah, the the passing offense wasn't as successful with the rain going on. Allen had to hit a few of those passes, and, yeah, he has to perform better. But I didn't really understand – what they were trying to do on the offensive side of the ball. The running game could not get going. And it's strange to me because of all of the complaints I have ever had about Brian Dable, and Lord knows there are a lot, of all the complaints, the one thing I've always gave him credit for is that he always has a solid running game. Any offense he's ever coached, he typically is right there in the top 10 of the rushing attack. And if you're familiar with Brian Dable's resume, that that is amazing compared to the other statistics in their rankings. So I'm just kind of confused as to what's going on with this running game. And really what, how I feel is it really has to do with the guard play. It has to do with Cody Ford and Brian Winters. Cody Ford did not look good in this game. Brian Winters did not look good in this game. And to be quite honest with you, I don't remember the last time I came out of a game and said either of those two looked extraordinary. Either of those two looked really good. Cody Ford they've moved him around three times. They've moved him around three times to try and get this guy to find a spot where he's comfortable injury or not. Everybody in the NFL is playing through injuries right now. Everybody, whether it's a team, whether it's personnel, everybody is playing through injuries at this point in the NFL. You're almost halfway through the season. So it's going to happen. That's not an excuse for me for Cody Ford, because it's not like we didn't see him play like shit at right tackle. We didn't see much at right guard, but we've seen enough of him playing at right tackle that, oh, okay, that ain't it. And we're starting to see kind of the same trend at left guard. And Brian Winters, I I don't know. I really don't know. I can't wait until John Feliciano comes back to get Brian Winters off the field because that guy is just flat-out atrocious. Mario, any thoughts of what is going on up front for the Bills' offensive line? Well, I mean, you said it. The the cohesiveness of the offensive line – is, is not gelling right now. There's something going on. There's some kind of disconnect that's going on. You got you got Morse and Dawkins, really the only two from last year that are in the consistent spots that they're in. You talk about Ford. I mean, we we talked about it on hashtag sports that we thought Ford was a better you know fit for a guard than he was a tackle. However, you can't just keep flip flopping a guy back and forth on which one guy, right guard and left guard and back and forth. But you got to think though, with the franchise left tackle that they have or that they believe that they have in Deion Dawkins and the highest paid center in the league, he was going to be protected in the middle there on that left side. And he hasn't been. And then you look on the right side, I haven't heard Williams's name to, you know, too much. So I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know what OG Bobby Johnson has to do on that front line in order to try to get those guys to gel and try to get something, something going, because you look at it, the first four games, they seem to be doing very, very well. Uh, Allen, what really wasn't flying around, you know, taking a lot of hits, the, the run game, all year has had a little bit of trouble, but you know it was it was supplemented by the pass game. You were able to throw on, on, on the, in the first four games of the year. Now you're not able to. So, um, you know, 
the, the, the philosophy, I mean, going into the game, I was terrified of the matchup between Brian Dable and Steve Spagnuolo. I was terrified of that. And I mentioned it on the tailgate with you last week. That was the biggest matchup of the game for me. And you saw what happened and what manifested as a result of that. Jeff? Yeah, and I've said before that, you know, seeing how the Bills' offense, passing offense played the first four weeks, if you're at that pass-heavy offense and that's working for you, then why go away from it? And that's what I said last week on the show is I think the Bills should stick with that aerial attack because it had been so good. Now, this is a game where that's not going to work. And it's not to – obviously not all on the running backs. It's not all on the offensive line. I mean, you need to have – need to create better, more space for them, more space for them, um, more holes for them to run the football. And this is an exact example of a game where your passing offense isn't going to work. So what else do you have? What is your secondary component after if your passing offense that is normally so good isn't going? If your quarterback is going to have a down game because he is Josh Allen's not going to be that quarterback that he was in September for the entire season. It's just it's just not going to happen no matter who you are. And you need that secondary uh, facet to your offense, and this is a game where they didn't have it, and it showed because Kansas City did. Yeah, being one-dimensional in this game really, really hurt the Bills' offense. And it's kind of interesting how the running game just really hasn't gotten going at any point this year. It really is because you they didn't inquire about Le'Veon Bell for no reason. They really didn't. And I, I'm one that believes that this doesn't, this isn't necessarily a Devin Singletary thing. I don't know what to say about Zach Moss at this point. I've watched him play all of two dozen snaps so far, so I'm not, I'm not going to make any kind of, uh, any kind of defined opinion of, of him just yet. But I, I, I like Devin Singletary, but at the same time, there are a lot of people out there that are of the belief that Devin Singletary isn't a number one running back in the NFL. And what I say he is, not necessarily, but I do think he is a solid contributing back. But Devin Singletary, his running style necessitates push along the interior. If you're going to run him in, in between the tackles, it necessitates push. It necessitates the, the defensive line not getting penetration. And that Kansas City Chiefs front seven, they're not overly talented. They really do have I, – I like the KC defense, but – you're talking about three really kind of good players, and that's Anthony Hitchens, Frank Clark, and Chris Jones. And, yes, it's three good players, but that Bills offensive line of old, we'd see them face a Kansas City team that has – or a team that has similar personnel to the Chiefs, and they'd handle a team like that simply. Like, they, they'd be fine. But now, like Mario kind of said, said, with the shuffling of this offensive line, with three players playing at new positions in totality – it does kind of mess up with the cohesiveness. Now, this is the question I have for you two guys. Do you think that the passing offense and the pass-heavy offense has affected, and not only just the pass-heavy offense, the lack of OTAs, the lack of preseason, the lack of overall reps and repetitions to kind of iron out those kinks and things such as the running game that requires cohesion, that requires kind of a, a synergy amongst the front five, do you think not having the preparation you typically would and also running a pass-heavy offense has affected the Bills' efficiency on the ground? Mario? I don't feel, I don't feel like they have. I mean, if you look at it, the, the, the basis or foundation of any offensive lineman, they would rather run than pass anyway. So, I mean, they, they would rather fire off on the ball than have to you know, sit back and take a hit. So, uh, from a philosophy standpoint, I think, I think offensive linemen would rather run block than pass block anyway. That's number one. Number two, you did add a, a bunch of new pieces that, um, that were up front. And it's, it's, very, it's a lot easier for uh, defenses to get out of the gate faster than offenses. But then we didn't see that the first four weeks of the year. We started to see offenses scoring points at, at, a, at an alarming rate. I mean, everybody but the Jets. Point being um, – that you started to see, you're starting to see all those things happen. Now you're starting to see with all the shuffling, the I think it's more of the, now all the shuffling is going back and forth and not now Spain, not going to be there. Um, you're starting to see some of the things that they have to try to gel together. Uh, offensive line coach, Bobby Johnson has to try to get something going. And it's, it's, it's going to be tough for a lot of teams or any team that has to make that many changes up front with their offensive line. So um, I don't know if it was necessarily the OTAs because every team was in that boat. And every team came out of the gate scoring a lot of points. So mm -hmm. I don't know. Jeff? Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, it definitely does affect you. But 
everyone's on the same playing field this year. It's not like everybody else got to have OTAs and the Bills didn't. So I that's that's an excuse, really, in my opinion, if you're going to be using that as a reason why you can't uh, gel your run game. I mean, other teams are running the ball just fine. And I wanted to get in the thought about the idea of whether Devin Singletary is a number one running back in the NFL or not. I mean, he's never going to be a top five, top ten guy maybe, but he is definitely a number one running back in in for a team in the NFL, especially a pass-heavy offense. I think Singletary is the perfect fit for a pass-heavy offense like the Bills were this September that can get those yards on the ground because we all know it's no secret that your running back play is so dependent on your offensive line. And so if you're not asking Singletary to bear 25 carries a game and be a guy like Ezekiel Elliott or a guy like Saquon Barkley, who your offense runs through that back, you know, like a 2017 Le'Veon Bell kind of guy, I think that he fits that role perfectly as long as you're not forcing him to be, hey, we're, we're winning because we have Devin Singletary. No, you're you're winning because you have Josh Allen throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley. Um, but I think that Singletary can definitely be your feature back on some damn good Bills playoff teams going forward if that's, if that's what you're given right now. Okay. All right. Now – I can't, I can't go through an offensive conversation, especially one where this offense looked like this without mentioning Brian Dave. So with that being said, I, just before we give our thoughts on how the coordinating was this week, I want to hear grades. Jeff, what would you give Brian Dable as a grade for this week? Well, I'd been pretty consistent in giving him B plus A minuses. And obviously when you only have what, 250, 200 something off offensive yards, that number is going to go down. Um, I didn't, I thought that there was obviously wasn't some execution. There were uh, some drops by receivers that really hurt the passing game, especially early in the game. Um, Allen made some bad throws. So I don't think that, um, you know, the play calling was horrible. I think that there was a lot of lack of execution on the field. Um, but I did think that the game plan was there for the Bills to score points, and I'd give it a B minus. Mario, I give it a C. I mean, for all the the points that that Jeff mentioned, is the fact that you can't you can't have drops and you can't have poor offensive line play and all this stuff, and then just put that on the coordinator. However, there were some play calls that I think he could have. Um, he could have mixed things up a little bit. I mean, we still haven't seen the pistol since the first first week, but you know what? That's that's based on matchup. Maybe the pistol doesn't work well against Kansas City. Who knows? So um, that all being considered, you got Moss back. You had Singletary. You had all the, your plethora of wide receivers available to you, with the exception of um, or your receiving targets, with the exception of Dawson Knox and, and Croft has been been very, been sort of serviceable in that role. Um, your offensive line is just being you know shuffled more than a deck at uh, Caesar's Palace. So. I, I, I can't put it all on Brian Dable, so I would like to give it. I'll give it a C because I think there were there are areas that he could have done better, but then you know you factor in the drops and all that other stuff. So uh, I'll give it a C. Yeah, I think I think I agree with both of you. I'm going to fall right in between both of your grades and give him a C plus. Um, just just for all the points that Mario and Jeff have just stated, the, the drops don't fall on him. It's obvious that that offensive line is just. They don't have what they're supposed to have in order to be an efficient an efficient group up front. The drops were there. Josh Allen was not – he did not have a good game. I didn't think he had a good game. I Once I saw a piss and rain in Buffalo, I wasn't expecting him to have a good game because really anytime I've seen it raining like that when Josh Allen's playing, he hasn't had a good game. I know somebody told me that he had a good game in a sprinkling Miami, but I just he, – he, I have yet to see Josh Allen play good in inclement weather, and that's kind of concerning. For, for, you know, it's Buffalo. It's kind of concerning to see him not being able to perform in inclement weather. And I'm sure it's, it's something that needs to be he needs he needs to adjust to. I'm not sure if they were expecting it to be raining like that. I know teams should be paying attention to the weather report in preparation for the game. But either way, he did not perform in the rain. Not none of the receivers were overly were making crazy plays on the first drive. The first third down, John Brown just dropped a, a a catch that was right in, his, in between the numbers. He just dropped it. So I, I can't put a lot of blame on Brian Dable, but can we please calm down with the highest paid offensive coordinator in the league shit, please? Can, I mean, we, I don't know. Well, just before you get to your point, because I know a rant, the rant's coming. I can feel it. I can sense I, it. I've been, not, I've been no on rant. enough shows with you. I've been on enough shows with you to know when the rant is coming. There, there's no rant. There's no rant. I just don't want to hear about this guy's offense being – 
being next world and just him being the highest paid OC of the league. I'm not I'm, hearing it. I'm just saying prior to that, the only thing worse than Josh Allen's performance against the Chiefs was hearing Troy Aikman talk about how he struggled in inclement weather. I just didn't want to hear about it anymore. I swear to God. Aikman, uh, oh my God. Him and Buck were just it, like I you just you just saw it for the first two drives. You were talking about Josh Allen and his inaccuracies and all this other stuff and how he was supposed to do. And then Mahomes misses a throw and then Aikman goes, Well, you see the weather kind of got to him there. Like, well, okay, come on, Aikman. Jesus, try to be you know unbiased here. But you I, what I'm saying is you come back, back over to Brian Dable. You're this is something that has not been it's not a new thing, Clayton. It's not a new thing for you. We're talking about once again in the third quarter, nothing happening with this offense and it's frustrating so you're allowed to rant i just i, I kind of felt it you know coming that your rant was going to be coming even though it didn't start yet but that's that's the thing that goes on with brian Dable. where is the third quarter adjustments coming from what is going on there's nothing Not- going on there's evidently <laughs> nothing going on and in the in the, the bigger problem that has come the last two weeks from not being able to produce in the third quarter is the bills offense hasn't been on the field in the fourth quarter I mean, two two weeks ago in the Titans game, Josh Allen, they had the touchdown drive with 13 minutes left. He's barely on the field after that. I don't know if he was on the field after that. Same thing happened last week. I mean, you don't produce in the third quarter, and then you're playing down in the fourth, and then you don't have the ball because your defense can't make stops. It's a recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. I feel like that's all we talk about with Brian Dable's offense. In the third quarter. Talk about recipes with Brian Dable? Is that what we're talking about? Recipe. <laughs> the only recipe that works for that guy is the one that features three amazing receivers, two halfway decent running backs, and well, what was a pretty good offensive line, but obviously they haven't lived up to expectations this season. But Brian Dable, I just I'm not buying it. I'm not buying. I haven't bought the stock of Brian Dable in this immaculate offense from the first four weeks because it was the first four weeks. And now we've watched them lay a turd the last two. So I think we need to hit the brakes. I think we just need to hit the brakes. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's not going to get a head coaching job because that Josh Allen is going to pick it back up at some point. It's probably going to happen against the Jets because, and if it doesn't happen against against the Jets, I, I don't know what to tell you. But to be to be honest with you guys, now that I'm thinking about it, this Jets game very well could be an audition for Brian Dable to go get that New York head coaching job. Think about that. Adam Gase isn't going to be there. Adam Gase is not going to be there. And to be honest, I would love it to see Brian Dable go to New York. I like him with Darnold better than I like him with Allen, to be honest with you. Because with Allen in this offense, I always felt it was a square peg in a round hole. But Darnold seems more tailor-made for an EP system like Dable runs, unfortunately. So who knows? Who knows? That could be. But I, I have him third. I have him third on the list. If, if the progression goes the way it's going to go this year, and I think it's going to go, um, he's going to be behind Eric Bieniemy and Greg Roman as far as offensive coordinators being considered for head coaching jobs. So there has to be at least three openings that happen before he even gets considered for one of those. Okay. Well, Jeff, were you going to say something? I was just going to say that Brian Dable's in a rut right now. The Bills are in a rut. You know what the best solution to that is? You get scheduled to play the New York Jets the next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I – well, I, I really want to get into talking about the Jets because this Chiefs game was just miserable. But we do have to talk about that defense. We do have to talk about the atrocious run defense. We do have to talk about some people thinking Justin Zimmer is better than Ed Oliver. I <laughs> Guys, that defensive line, that defensive line has been bad. Really, really bad. That off the, the the Chiefs, they had amazing play along the interior, amazing, and they had a backup playing. So, I what's the excuse really? This offensive line or this defensive line has just not executed at any point in any facet. I don't know what's going on. They're getting big boyed every week. They're getting pushed four, five yards off the line of scrimmage every run play. Jeff, what do you think? You saw on Monday night what happens when you give the NFL's best quarterback however much time he needs to throw the ball. I said that no matter who you're playing, if you don't rush the quarterback, you're going to get burned, and Mahomes took that to another level, and he had his running game to assist him in doing it. Bills allowed 245 rushing yards, over seven yards of carry, and they tried shaking up the defensive line when that happened. Okay, whatever, we'll see what these guys got. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Now, 
people have been crying for the Bills to sign a pass rusher, to sign help or trade for help on the defensive line. Certainly the team's biggest need right now. I, I think that we can all agree on that. But here's my question. Who are the Bills going to get right now that's going to fix that problem? Buffalo's defensive line has been so bad. What one player are you going to bring in to alleviate this problem? Now, a big trade or signing could certainly help, but it's not going to make the problem go away completely. And after what I watched the last couple games, this Buffalo defense defensive line is almost beyond repair unless some of the players you already have start to step up. Mario? It definitely is very, very frustrating. And, you know, I, I, I was, I was put, um, I had a lot of people last year when I was talking uh, about Starla Tule and all the things that he was able to do and all the things that I feel that he was, he was very uh, adept at doing with that offensive line or with that, with the offensive lines that he faced and he was able to, you know, eat up bodies and do all this stuff and, you know, a whole Ed Oliver Zimmer talk. Can we just, you're, you're, you're going to double Ed Oliver. You're not going to double Zimmer. Okay. He was singled up most of the game, which is why he was able to do some of the things he did. Um, it just like the Quentin Spain, uh, release. I don't know why you put nine million dollars on the bench, and in a game where your philosophy, as it appeared to me, was to stop the run. Murphy being an edge setter, which something that he hasn't been doing all year either, is something that you needed in this game, and you didn't have it. I don't know if they were just trying to try guys out, see if they could perform, if they had to go get free agents. I don't know, but that defensive line is not keeping bodies off of the guys in the second level. Milano is out because of that. Edmonds is hurt because of that. Klein gets stickier than, you know, molasses in January. Like, he can't get off a block, and it's killing me. So the result of that, it starts up front. They're not getting – they're not eating bodies. They're letting guards get up to the second level. Something has to be done by Eric Washington and that defensive line front. Uh, and I don't, you know, I agree. I don't think there's guys out there you could just pluck off and get and then say, okay, immediately this guy's a plug and play guy. There may be a couple of those guys, but you know, you're looking at you might have to trade some assets for that, which I'm not completely against. Uh, Paul, you know, I, I'm you know, my uh, my co host on you know, uh, hashtag sport, he said, why don't you get Michael Bennett? I'm like, you mean the guy that wears lacrosse pads for sure? He goes, he doesn't care, he just wants a rental for a year anyway. So any of these guys that you're talking about trying to get off the scrap heap, off of free agency, not necessarily trade for, you're just that's just a plug in, you know, it's just a band-aid for this year until you could fix the problem next year. And where the heck is our second round pick, AJ Epinesevin? What's he been doing? So there's a lot of problems. There's just as many problems on this defensive line as there is on the offensive line right now. Oh, the trenches. It's where the game is won and lost. It really Amen. is. And this Amen. is where the Bills have won games in the past and they have lost these last two games and really oh you threw Trent Murphy out there you threw Trent Murphy he brought it up there are just two names I could mention every broadcast and then you would just I could just see the blood boiling through your head it's Trent Murphy and Brian Dable but I mean we AJ Klein AJ Klein looked like shit again that that was for sure that I well let's get with Trent Murphy first $9 $9 million on the bench. Why is he on the team? Why did we keep him then? I See, I had the same exact question, Mario, and I asked you and Paul on your post-game show over at Hashtag Sports. Be sure to go subscribe over to Mario and Paul's channel, Hashtag Sports. I was watching their post-game show, and I posed the same exact question. And Mario and, and Paul explained to me that there'd be little to no money saved from cutting Trent Murphy at this point. Well, Brandon Bean, you said it yourself. It was more fan speak than anything. Well, it looks like Coach doesn't really agree because he wasn't suiting up against the, the, one of the best the best offense you're going to face this year. Why? Why wasn't he suited up? Because he sucks, probably, right? And you, and you wanted to play AJ Epinesa a little more or you wanted to play your 30-year-old defensive ends a little more? What was the plan exactly? Because in all honesty, none of these plans were good. None of them. I don't like the result of any of these. I didn't like the Mario Addison move from the start. I didn't like the fact that they didn't have a bonafide pass rusher like an a Yannick Ngakwe, who has five sacks already this year. I just that this Bills defensive line is flawed, and I felt like it was flawed from the start. I wasn't on board with all these people saying we're gonna get all these sacks and this defensive line is going to be crazy and they're gonna go out of their minds. I 
I wasn't going to be hyperbolic in that way. I thought that they, hey, they got some good players up there and they have a lot of depth along the interior. It's going to be fun to see what they do with that depth. Now, along with that, I didn't expect this team to get absolutely bulldozered every game. I didn't expect every offensive line to, to just absolutely have their way with them. And I certainly didn't expect Star Latule to opt out. And when he did, I didn't expect it to be this big of a deal. But obviously and evidently it is. So you're looking at an offense, a defensive line that is small, old, and overpaid. So this is a big, big problem. Because instead of going and get one, getting one Yannick Ngakwe, you've got one $10 million Mario Addison, who everybody says is going to get 10 sacks. Okay, you got to clean up sack this week. I guess we can get... I guess we can give him his credit where it's due. And I I don't have any answers because I felt like you should have kept Shaq Lawson in favor of Mario Addison because when that move happened, I was like, all right, I guess we'll wait and see. And now I, I have waited and I have seen, and I am definitely sure that we should have kept Shaq Lawson because one thing that people can't take away from Shaq Lawson, I understand a lot of people love that or don't like that he's not as much of a presence in in the pass rush but what he is is one of the best run defending edge rushers in the league and that can't be taken away from him and that's a presence that the bills certainly could use and they certainly would have suited up last week and it would have been affected and he wouldn't have been breaking contain on third down like jerry hughes has done in multiple weeks now that has led to, 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 to the drives being continued and that's really what killed the bills defense in this game was long sustained drives where they just got wore down and the Chiefs actually calculated – the Chiefs executed and scored points. Yeah, I like Michael Laurie's comment saying, good thing we drafted a replacement lever, level kicker over line depth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Yeah, really, exactly. But also, the players that the Bills have drafted, I, I mean, they haven't been doing much. Harrison Phillips has been a little better than a liability. I, you know, he, he had the injury – but he was supposed to be a guy that could come in and contribute when they drafted him. Epinesa hasn't seen a ton of snaps, but when he has in the field, he hasn't been great. And maybe he'll figure it out after this. But you bring in these guys to fill holes if you're not, you know, we're, you're not re-signing Shaq Lawson. You're not re-signing Jordan Phillips. So you're bringing these guys in and expecting them to, to play at the same level. And they just haven't. And it leaves us as analysts, as is, you know, at least Bills fans saying, what's going to be your solution now? Because the one that you went into this season with, it, it's not working. And and like I said, I mean, who are you bringing in that's going to be more than, like Mario said, a Band-Aid, a Band-Aid to an absolutely huge problem that, that you're going to have the whole year and you're probably not going to be able to address completely until next season? You know, yeah, I... Oh, you can go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying, yeah, when, when when they were drafting and they were drafting some of the players that were going on, I understand that. You, you didn't expect Star Latula to opt out. So if you thought that was going to happen, if you thought Spain was going to be a problem, obviously some of those things, if, if you were going down that road, we could play the, you know, the what-if game all the time. But, I mean, if you want to talk about Clayton, you played offensive tackle, correct? Am I yeah. correct in assuming you play offensive tackle? Now – did you wear any sort of special thing? Did you have gloves? Did you have wrist braces? Did you have elbow pads? You know, did you have all the works when you played? I'm just curious because I'm it's, I, it leads into my point basically. I wore gloves. I'd have my okay. wrists and ankles taped, and that wrists. was about it. Okay, so that's what you did. Let's just say, for argument's sake, you were only allowed to wear one glove, have one wrist, and one ankle taped while you played. Okay, we look at this defensive team. Everyone wants to put the blame on Frazier, philosophy on Frazier, things going on Frazier. I understand that. This is Frazier's defense. He holds the cards when it comes to what happens with this defense and how it performs. However, you have Eric Washington, Mario Addison, A.J. Klein, Starla Tulele, who opt out. You know, for that defensive front specifically, you got Josh Norman. Who's really controlling this defense for this year? Now, you talk about Mario Addison. You talk about a Trent Murphy-type player. Those are the types of guys, they're boring, and that's the type of front that McDermott wants. Control bodies up front, let my linebackers make plays, let my secondary knock down the ball without blitzing. That's what they want. That's a McDermott defense. We've been touting all along, this is not McDermott defense, this is Frazier's. But you look across this defense, whose is it really? Do you think that, that Frazier was pounding the desk saying, I want Klein? Give me Addison. Give me Norman. Like, I, 
that's the thing for me. Like, I think more of the onus, I know I kind of just took the, the idea in a different direction, but I think more of the onus goes on people want McDermott to run this defense and take over defensive play calling. Who says he isn't at this point? Well, my mic was muted. I apologize. No, I see, I see what you're saying completely. It is really – you look at how this defense is built. You're right. It's structured such as a Mashaun McDermott defense. And I don't think they planned on, on Matt Milano go, coming out of this game. And I certainly don't think they planned on Tremaine Edmonds taking the step back that he has because, wow, Tremaine Edmonds does not look good. He does. I've been he saying it for weeks. And it's certainly – you can, you can credit some of that to the fact that the Bills are missing their their one technique defensive tackle that's been there for the last two years. You can credit some of it to that, but missing your one technique defensive tackle doesn't lead to the other team scheming you out of position because that's literally what the Chiefs did on the Daryl Williams touchdown run because they designed it for a cutback where they had Daryl Williams in the backfield with Travis Kelsey, had Travis Kelsey kick out the end. So it looked like, oh, he's a lead blocker. No, that's the cutback lane. And he handed it off to him, and he ran it to the right. And where was Tremaine Edmonds? Two gaps to the left of where he should have been. And what what, what did Darrell Williams have? Nothing but green in front of him on fourth and one. And that was a touchdown all day. All day. And it's it, it, it's abysmal. It's embarrassing. And it's just it, – it makes me wonder. Tremaine Edmonds. He is. This isn't the first time he's looked undisciplined. This isn't the first time he's looked undisciplined in the pass or the run defense. I pose you both a question. Is Tremaine Edmonds simply too undisciplined to be the middle linebacker of this defense? Because don't get me wrong, he is a solid player. He is he has all of the all of the all of the uh all the traits you could want in a in a linebacker in the NFL. Every single one of them. All of them. But the one he doesn't possess that's necessitated by playing middle linebacker is discipline. So should Tremaine Edmonds be moving positions? Well, right now, I don't know if he's, I don't know if it's a matter of he's ready or if he doesn't have the uh, potential to be a centerpiece of your defense. Travis Kelsey was a, was a matchup nightmare in this game. Without Milano, they just didn't have an answer for him. Edmonds is evidently not that guy. I get that he's playing with an injury. I understand that. But if he's going to be on the field getting snaps, is the centerpiece of your defense? Tremaine Edmonds needs to be better. He needs to fill holes. He needs to make open field tackles. And he needs to be able to cover tight ends. And if he can't do all of those things, then maybe he would be said it's or uh, maybe he would fit in better as an outside linebacker or just not literally your entire defense revolves around him in the middle. You know, uh, he's got the the green sticker on his helmet, and he's in. He just hasn't been the presence that they need him to be, or that I thought. The Bills think that he would have been, um, you know, he had because he had a solid, good start to his career. And this year is the step back because of injury or is it because he's just isn't meant to play that centerpiece role that I think other guys can play? I think his rookie year, he came in and he was wide eyed and his eyes deceived him. And he was playing out on the edge a lot at Virginia Tech. And that's what he was doing. They were trying to make him because he had like, like Clayton said, he has all the physical tools to be the middle linebacker of this team. And then you look at his second year. He, you know, he led the team tackles two years in a row. That was because you had that one technique eating up bodies in the middle, and he was able to roam free from sideline to sideline. There's no other guy on this team, and I'm putting him ahead of Milano, that can roam sideline to sideline like Tremaine Edmonds has. This guy has a broken wing for crying out loud. He is not playing because, I mean, it's to me, I think that's 110% of the reason of why it's going, what's why he's not performing. Well, now, you know what? I'll say 95%. The other 5% is that he's got bodies on him four yards down the field that he's not able to do it. So he's trying to overcompensate for the lack of defensive line presence that's going on right now. So he's trying to make plays. He's trying to go outside of his comfort zone. It's not undisciplined. These guys are not able to do their, you know, su- you know, fulfill their roles defensively because of what's going on up front. And I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to say, you know, it, when he had guys not on him, he can move sideline to sideline. He can do everything that you need to do from a middle linebacker position. You couple the fact that guys are on him four yards down the field, as well as the fact that he's hurt. He's playing hurt. They have zero depth at the middle linebacker position. What are you going to put in there, Tyler McAvich? Like, you're not doing that. You're going to – a 75 80% um, Edmonds is way better than that. So that's what you're doing. You're putting him out there. I don't think he's 100%, and I think that's affecting his play. And the, you couple that with the fact that 
He's trying to do something and try to go out of the, his comfort zone to make plays because no one else is making him on his defense, makes him look undisciplined and that he's not in his assignments. I understand. He probably overplayed that gap because he thought he was going to cut back in there. Who knows? Jefferson was in the backfield and should have made the tackle. He was standing straight up and let Woods run right by him. So in that respect, I, I put more of a focus because, you know, having played the game myself, I know – how I played with an injury versus when I didn't have an injury. Now I'm not a professional athlete. I'm just saying that from my experience, from playing the game, Clayton, I mean, I think you'll back me up on this. When you have an injury, you cannot play to your fullest potential at a position, no matter what position it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you ever played through an injury before? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think everybody who's played football definitely has. Um, But I mean, it's playing through an injury. if, If he's, it seems like I don't want to say liability because I think that that's taking too much away from what he's done, what he's been on the field, because if he's playing through that, then that's obviously affecting his game, but he's just missing tackles and it's the missed tackles and it's the, the lack of ability to cover in the passing game. That's, that is prompting me to say this. I mean, you need somebody to cover that big tight end because we've, they've been exposed on that multiple times, whether it was Tyler Higby, Travis Kelsey or whoever else. And you know, that also, I understand a lack of pass rush obviously hurts that you got to cover these guys for longer, but I think that, am I confident when Tremaine Edmonds gets healthy, that he's going to be that stud player in the middle of the defense? No, I'm not. I hope he proves me wrong, but I'm just not confident in that right now. And if that's unfair to him, then I mean, we'll, we'll see where it goes when he gets healthy again. Well, I just gotta, I, you know, I got a little bit of respectfully disagree on that because I think Higby, Higby was kind of a non-factor in the Rams game. I think he had like three catches for 40 yards or something like that in that game. So he really wasn't that huge of a factor. That's one. Two, nobody covers Kelsey. Let's just say what it is. Nobody can cover Kelsey in this league from a linebacker position. That's why I always have to drop safeties down on him. And even though safeties struggle, that's number two. Number three, you're running the ball as a Kansas City offense, seven yards a pop. What is your main responsibility as a middle linebacker? You have to stop the run. So that being said, some of those some of those areas where he was supposed to cover and try to get you know a body on Kelsey, he couldn't because he, he was so concerned with the play action up front. So all those things combined, I understand he's not as good a cover covers linebacker as Milano, but he's not supposed to be. He's, he's the inside guy, not the outside guy. So um, I mean, I understand every point that you're making as far as like you know what what you were trying to say about Milano about Edmonds and what he's doing this year, but I think all those things combined have to be factored in when you try to talk about a guy that's trying to cover Kelsey who nobody can cover Kelsey. I don't think anybody can in the league from the middle linebacker position. Probably Bobby Wagner is the only guy I think could, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's definitely a discussion that's necessitated based on how this defense has been playing. There's so many things that we have to talk about. So many reasons as to why this defense is performing the way it has. It's just, it, it's definitely been a letdown. It definitely has been a letdown this se- so far this season. I'm honestly, I'm really intrigued to what they'll do with their cornerbacks when Levi Wallace comes back, when they have all of their defensive backs at their disposal, assuming Josh Norman can remain healthy during that time. So it, it it's really intriguing to me as to what they'll do with with Tredavious White, Levi Wallace, and Josh Norman. But until that time comes, man, they they need an answer at nickel corner. And Cam Lewis looked okay this week. It, with limited with limited action but it, it felt like it was what three series into the game and he got injured and it comes to ron johnson and it was the same thing we've seen this season ron johnson didn't look overly impressive at all but speaking of overly impressive at all the new york jets the new york jets bills are coming off of two losses and they get to face the basement dwellers of the afc's this week and my golly this is a team i don't even know if you can call that a team, they're 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 uh, they're a sports franchise. That's what we'll call them. I I don't even know what to think of this team going into this week. It seems like they're really blowing it all up, and it seems like everybody's losing their job over there at whatever they call it. Everyone's losing their job over there for the Jets, other than Adam Gase. It really feels like that. It seems like they're slowly shipping everybody out. Quinnen Williams is on the block. Steve McClendon just got traded. It just everybody's. I think they just traded a linebacker today. I, was it Jenkins? Was it Jenkins? I I don't know. They just made another trade today. They're trading players left and right. The New York Jets are not even the same team they the, the Bills faced in Week One, just based off of personnel and who they do and don't have. Le'Veon Bell's not there anymore. Going to this game, Jeff. 
What are your thoughts as the Bills go up against New York Jets? Well, I already said it. I mean, the best way to get back on track is to play the worst team in the league, and I think that's exactly what the Bills are going to do. I mean, I'm glad from a Bills perspective that you have this game on the schedule now because if you're playing, if say you have the Seahawks scheduled, if the NFL puts you through that gauntlet where you have the Titans, the Chiefs, now we're going to this game saying, oh shit, now we got to play Seattle. Now we got to play Russell Wilson or, you know, the Niners or one of the other top teams that the Bills have remaining on their schedule. Little step back. Um, I don't think that there's any, not that there's not any chance, but I think there's very little chance of this being a letdown game or a trap game or whatever you, you want to call those where you get the play down to the level of your opponent. I don't think that's going to happen because the Bills are just simply a better team. And I think that this is a good time to take a step back and use this game to get back on track. And I don't, I don't think that going, you know, me going any deeper into it, that's just what you need to do. And I think that going back to us talking about the defense, one of those groups needs to get right this week. Because the defensive line has been, obviously been abysmal, linebackers have struggled, and the secondary obviously has struggled, and obviously that's um, um, a product of them all being not being able to gel together because no one's really playing well. If one of those groups can get back on track this week, I think that that will be a big step forward for um, the rest of the defense as a whole. All right. I think where they're located is actually called One Jets Drive, if I'm not mistaken. Unfortunately. Doesn't, oh my doesn't, god! Doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Doesn't have the same ring to it. Makes me uh, throw up. I know. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, unfortunately, this week are in a no-win situation because you talk about their four and zero against teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. People have been talking about. I think the Rams might make the playoffs. Who knows? That's a tough. That's the West is tough, man. Uh, but then you look at their zero and two against teams that are going to be going to the playoffs that only have one loss between them. Okay, you're playing the Jets. The Jets are are in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes right now. So, okay, you beat the Jets. You're supposed to beat the Jets. If you if the game's anywhere near 14 points, a difference, the, the Bills are still going to get crucified. This is a week, though, where the Buffalo Bills can clean up some things that they're doing offensively and defensively and try to simplify what they're doing. Don't try to do more. Try to do less and do it correctly. I think if you're able to do that and that's able to be your game plan because you have more talent than the Jets. So if you just play your game, the Jets play their game, you should beat them by at least 14 points. However, if they try to get out of their comfort zone, if more guys get hurt, if more guys, if something here happens, the ball bounces every, every which way, who knows? I think the Buffalo Bills is going to be a real concern, even though if the Buffalo Bills win this game, uh, you know, there's nothing but there's nothing concerning about style points in the NFL. You can win by one, you can win by 50. It doesn't matter. If the Buffalo Bills win this game, the Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills fans should take this with them. The fact that they're going to be five and two, three and oh in the division. That is huge. That is huge. So I just think, though, but going into the game, they're in a no win situation. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. That's kind of how I feel about it going into this game. It's just like if they don't win by, like you said, four by two possessions. It's it's going to be I, – I just won't be able to check Facebook and Twitter. There will be a lot of knee-jerk reactions if that happens. And, I mean, yeah. the three of us all know that if you win by a score, it depends on how you got to winning by a score. Um, you know, so before you hit the panic button, you know, you could be up three uh, scores in the fourth quarter and the Jets come back. But, I mean – I don't think that this being a tight game will cause too many knee-jerk reactions for me unless it's like, oh, geez, the Bills really played bad and they squeaked by the Jets. Um, but, I mean, I I don't think it's going to be close. I mean, I, I hope I hope for my I hope for my sanity's sake that it's not going to be close because I just – speaking of people just knee-jerk reactions, that's all the last two weeks have been. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and excuse a team losing by any means. Never. I'll never do that. I'll never excuse a team losing. I'll provide logical reasoning as to why they lost, but I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, it was raining, so Josh Allen sucked. I'm not uh, – that's not what I do. That's not mm-hmm. – and a lot of people have been really on the opposite end of the spectrum just knee-jerking their way around with their opinions. Now, with this game, it shouldn't be close. It shouldn't be close. I don't want to see it be close. I agree with Mario – in the in the regard that this is a get right game get back to your fundamentals 
Get back to what you do. Get back to who you are. Gain your confidence back. For Christ's sakes, Josh Allen, gain your confidence back. That's the one thing that I have seen missing from Josh Allen these last two weeks is his poise, his confidence, his cockiness, if you will, his swagger. Because that's something for Josh Allen. That's a trait for Josh Allen that he's really kind of dependent upon. He's dependent upon his his confidence. He's dependent upon his poise, his swagger, and his playmaking ability. He's a playmaker. He's a football player. That's just the kind of mentality that he's wired with. And I, I, I can understand that. That resonates with me perfectly. And it just – this is the game that if there's anybody the Bills had to play that Josh Allen needed to get his confidence back with, if it weren't the Miami Dolphins, it'd be the New York Jets. And it'd be this defense that they're just shipping away. It'd be this team that's just giving up on their head coach. It'd be this this organization that's literally I Daniel Daniel Gar. I, oh, I'm so sorry. I say your last name wrong every single time. Daniel G says actually it's dumpster fire drive with a literal dumpster <laughs> fire rage. So yes, that's that that's my point. If it's any team. You want to get your stuff together before you play the New England Patriots. It's this team. It is this team. Get your fundamentals back. Get your feet back under you and keep running and get and get it back on track. Like Mario said, you're five and two, three and zero oh in the division. I don't uh, three and zero oh in the division. What's the last time the Bills started three and zero oh in the AFC East? It has to be. It couldn't have been since Jeff and I have been alive. Definitely not. Definitely not. I can promise you that. No, because so, they played the Patriots in the first five weeks. It seems like every year of my life. Every, yeah, exactly. Every year, so it's almost at a, home. That's a fun stat. I will get my guy on that as soon as possible. It's just this. This is the game the Bills need to have. They need after coming off of two straight losses to very competitive teams, have a convincing win against these basement dwellers. And the Bills are going to win the game, right? They're they're going to win I, the game. Where they're going to win. They're they're going to win. Like the. At, strike me down. They're I'm going to win. <laughs> I don't. And the bill. Everyone was so high on the Bills after the four and zero start. Josh Allen's MVP. They said, you know, the Bills are one of the best top five teams in football. They said. And then after two losses, we've retracted so much after losing to two great football teams. But the Bills fan base and people are just down so much. So I don't want to hear it when the Bills go down and win. Even if it's kind of ugly, I don't want to hear it. You're going to go down, you beat an NFL football team, no matter how bad they are, and you get back on track and you go from there. I think Allen having a bounce back game this week will go really, really go a long ways um, as far as getting his confidence, the confidence that you know they have in Brian Dable and the offense as a whole. And so the Bills are going to go down and win, and I think that that'll you know kind of say, all right, we're back on track. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I don't – I just, as the pessimistic, because you guys, you guys aren't old enough to realize when, when the, when the going was good in Buffalo, and the, what, why the, why the 17 years was such an impact on a lot of people's psyche here in Buffalo. Okay, you know, okay, they're four, they're four and zero. Now they're four and two. Even if they beat the Jets, I think a lot of Bills fans will have that. Oh yeah, well they were supposed to, or that you know it'll be like kind of like a defeatist attitude, but like oh yeah, well they were supposed to beat them. I don't care if they beat them by a point. And I don't care if the Jets are tanking, if Miami's possibly tanking. I saw that in the chat. It doesn't matter. Like they don't <laughs> they don't say that if the Buffalo Bills go six and on the division this year, well, well, two teams were tanking. They don't put that in the stat sheet. <laughs> I don't care. That doesn't bother me. Um, what what does bother me is that versus Tennessee, it looked like there was a severe lack of focus. And against Kansas City, there was a severe lack of passion. I need to see both of those in the upcoming weeks, not just against the Jets, not just against the Jets. I want to see that in the next couple of weeks. If I don't see that, because you need to have both of those in order to win a in order to win a title. And if they don't if they don't start showing both of those, then I think I'm going to be start I'm going to start to worry about this team because I'm not really worried about them right now. Yeah, I agree. Now with that. We got to get into our predictions. Jeff is beating us, beating me in this little competition we have. We only came away with one point each last week. So it, it's a hole. It's a hole that I cannot dig out of. How I much am I up dig- by? You're up by, you're, I think it's what, eight, it's 22-14. So it's, it's yeah, it's eight points. Uh, that, that one week, you just got two scores lucky. I got I to gotta oh, get this. come on with the lucky. It- <laughs> 
Come on. If that was you, you would have been <laughs> on your high horse. I picked the right score of the game. You're right. I, I, I'm sorry. That was mean. You're not. Is it a fool who looks upon the skills of a wise man and calls it luck? <laughs> <laughs> so we only have two games to pick this week. So let's start with the Bills game. Jeff, what do you got for a score as the Bills visit the Jets? You know, we've covered all the bases. Allen should get back on track in this game. And if he doesn't, then we're going to start having some serious conversations about him. But he will. Bills win 31-17. That lines at minus 13 for the Bills right now. So that's something to keep an eye on. Mario? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Are we doing bold predictions as well as scores too or no? We save the boldness for the Mookie show. We'll save the boldness because I got some bold ones that are just going to knock everyone over. Um, so, uh, you know, the Buffalo Bills get back on track. They beat the Jets. The Jets are you – know, they, really, they don't really have a lot to play for. The Buffalo Bills, like I said, they got to try to get back to good fundamental football, show some passion, show some focus. I think with that being combined, that the Buffalo Bills end up winning this game 24-10. to 10. Okay. All right. Uh, just think of what that locker room's like right now. Think of what it's like in that locker room. You're pissed. That – that doesn't even really explain it. You are human. And a guy just got caught. Or possibly as an example. Possibly as an example. That locker room right now, there is a lot of fuel amongst those players. And there is not a lot of talent on that New York Jets sideline. And I feel like after playing both of the both of the contestants in the AFC championship game and back-to-back weeks or excuse me, back-to-back weeks, this team is ready to come out there firing on all cylinders. So I got the Bills winning 37-10. to 10. And they're gonna it's a get-right game. What's so funny? What's so I funny? started laughing because when you said they have a severe lack of talent in New York, I said I was going to say until they sign Spain. <laughs> wow, that he, – although he, he wouldn't even be able to play, I don't think, because of the – No, no, you got to – yeah, you got to – I think there's a week um, that goes by. I think you need like, for the COVID protocols. You got to go. Like, we got at least wait at least a week. So we're all so, on the, We're all on the same page just about here, though. I'd, I'm giving yeah. each team one more touchdown than Mario is, and Clayton's given Three the points. Jets one less than me, and the Bills one more than me. So we're yeah. Now, I mean, Mario, you can you, you can hop on this if you'd like. Sure. But it's up, so it's up to you. The 49ers visiting the Patriots. Jeff, who you got, and what's the score? So, you know, I, I said before I didn't want to pick a, the Patriots to lose back-to-back weeks. Uh, they looked bad last week against the Broncos. I think they'll get back on track. 49ers are kind of one of those wild-card teams right now that we don't really know exactly what they are, but uh, Patriots will win 24-20. to I don't know about the success of any type of player that has left Bill Belichick that has won up against him after that. If you're not sure about that, Google Drew Bledsoe. Um <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo coming up back against New England. Uh, I, oh, we're doing scores too. I'm sorry. I did, we're yeah. doing scores too. I'd say it's it probably. And you want to talk about Shanahan's experience against New England in the Super Bowl doesn't not bode well. He should have ran. <laughs> the Falcons would have a title. Um, that being said, I think uh, New England wins the game, but it's going to be an ugly. I think 18 12 is going to be an ugly game. No, field six field goals in the New England game again. No, there's gonna there's gonna be some failed two two point conversions from Cam Newton. So okay. missed extra right. point. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm losing this competition we have going on right now. So I pretty much if there's a game where I have to have a wild card opponent, it's I'm taking the 49ers. I gotta, <laughs> I have to. I I cannot continue to just sit here and be passive and just be like, yeah, you know, I gotta make the smart pick. No, 49ers are gonna win this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure if I believe that when I say it, but the 49ers are going to win this game. I'm going to say a score of 20 to 13. That's what I'll go with. But with that, Mario, before we get out of here, yes. tell all the people what you got going on over at hashtag sports. Hashtag sports. We have our round table. That's going to be going on this week. Uh, probably around Thursday or Friday, whatever day it does not happen. We're going to have a fresh episode of you uh, for you for hashtag nation of possible defensive free agents that, that are going to be brought. that could be brought into Buffalo to affect this team and b- maybe give the defense a little bit of a spark. Um, 
Paul just went live today uh, during the Quentin Spain release. So be sure to go check that out. It's hashtag sports uh, um, on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, but our main uh, place you can find us is um, on YouTube and you can find us at htagsports.com. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to, I'm, we're going to be welcoming, uh, Dan Mitchell and Clayton as well as Joe from Believers Talk, Joe Sharp from Believers Talk for the round table this week. We're going to iron out the details and get that to you guys. And we're also going to, like I said, have a fresh episode and then I will be back here for the, uh, for the Saturday night tailgate with Clayton and Mookie. So stay tuned. It's always a busy week with Mario and I always <laughs> a busy week. Now, Jeff, it's been a fun show. Please tell the people where they can find you if they choose to. If you'd like to find me on social media for whatever reason, uh, you can find me on Twitter at RealJUVEINO. You can find me on Instagram at my name, Jeff UVEINO. Like Mario said, the Saturday night tailgate. We'll be back on the regular day. It's supposed to be on for the first time in like what's felt like a month. <laughs> Saturday night tailgate with Mookie Hawkins. I don't know who he's going to bring on the show. He always brings somebody. It's always a fun time. I'm sure the chat knows there's always fun stories that go on with whoever Mookie brings on. But anyways, oh, oh, no, I cannot forget. Jeremy will be going live with Lorenzo Alexander. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah. So tomorrow at 9.30 p.m., he'll be going live with Lorenzo. Probably talk about Chiefs game and a little bit about the Jets game. And also stay tuned for the Yak podcast with Jeremy Turner Montgomery and James Mallory. They're doing great work with that podcast. And be sure to follow the Colfer Report on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. And subscribe on YouTube. It is at Colfer Report on Twitter. Colfer Report underscore Bills News on Instagram. Colfer Report colon Buffalo Bills News on Facebook. And that would be just Colfer Report on YouTube. And if you'd like to find me, it's at CFR Clayton on Twitter. And for Instagram, it's the same exact handle, at C-F-R-C-L-A-Y-T-O-N. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. And this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by The Cold Firm.